We're glad to be sharing the ministry of Tabernacle of Praise with you. Now join us as we receive the Word of God. If you would, turn with me to Psalm 126. Psalm 126. I'm going to read verses 5 through 6. They that sow in tears shall reap in joy. He that goeth forth and weepeth, bearing precious seed, shall doubtless come again with rejoicing, bringing his sheaves with him. I want to just talk a little bit tonight about being broken in the right places. Being broken in the right places. Uh, As a rule, when we're suffering, uh, when we have troubles, that type of thing, as a rule... We're usually focused on ourselves and don't have a lot of time for other people. You notice that about yourself? I, I notice when, when, when things come at me, I, I tend to kind of draw into and kind of figure out well, what's going on here and well, you know, why, why is this happening? And, and, and I lose focus on other people. When I, the, the, the thing that should be happening is focus on others. You know, <clears throat> if you're going through a trial or a trouble, go help somebody. Go help somebody. Because in that, you will see that your trial and trouble changes, that God will minister to you in a different way. But, but as a rule, that's what, what happens. We focus more on ourselves and not as much on others. But if you're following Jesus Christ, that should be the opposite, right? I mean, if we're following the Lord, if we're walking with the Lord, when we see things happening, our focus should turn more towards others. That, that, that's what Jesus did. Uh, it's amazing how Jesus, and you know, we can say all of these things, that he was this, this, and this. But Jesus was as human and as man uh, as you and I. And he could have easily focused on his trouble or his problem. But he was constantly focused on others, and that's, that kept him in a directive. Jesus said this. He said, if I want to save my life, speaking of me, then I've got to lose it. If I want to save my life, I've got to lose it. If I want to be lifted up, then I've got to humble myself. There's paradoxes here. that If I want to be the greatest, then I've got to be a servant. If I want to be first, I've got to be last. All of these things Jesus said to help us to understand something is that when we're broken in the right places, we will always reflect on others. We will always go to others. We will always try to touch others. But when we're broken in the wrong places, it's the opposite. You know, uh, when we talk about tears and heartache and suffering and pain, uh, all of those things are actually part of being broken in the right places. There are are emotions and and results that when we're broken in the wrong places that come out. We're going to talk about that a little bit because uh, let me ask you this. Have have you you encountered things in your journey in life that you really wish you had never encountered? Sure. Sure, if you say no, well, you've got to be an infant because we have all done those things. We all have. But listen, when you encounter those things the Lord's way, you be, the Lord makes you stronger. He makes you gentler. He makes you kinder. It's how those encounters, when they come into our it's our approach to those encounters. Do we do it the way the Lord directed us or do we kind of go inward? You know, Doing it the Lord's way, you can actually go through the flames of fire in your life, and you can come out without smelling any smoke on you. You don't have the smell of smoke at all. The fire doesn't, doesn't burn you. It doesn't, if you do it the Lord's way. So there's a difference between being broken in the wrong places and being broken in the right places. What does it mean to be broken? What does it mean to be broken? Your life comes apart, 
goes to pieces, okay? Become humble, okay? Yeah? Broken. You ever lost a loved one? Everybody says, sure. And you're broken in a sense, aren't you? Something inside of you is, there are different places of being broken. Have you ever been broken when you saw someone that was lost? Jesus was constantly broken over people, constantly. Something that we don't really talk about a lot. He was constantly in a state of being broken, brokenness, because he saw the need. Uh, But there's a right way of being broken, and there's a wrong way of being broken. There, there, there's, there's two. When you're broken in right places, you care about other people. When you're, when you're broken in wrong places in your life, you don't care about anybody. There's, there's, there's a deal about brokenness. When, when you're broken in right places, there's no pride and arrogance in your life. If you're truly broken the way the Lord wants us to be broken. And let, let me say this. You know, it's not something we talk about a lot. We, we preach about a lot. But, you know, there, there, there's not a requirement in our life to be broken. But the more broken you are before God, the more humble, the more, the, the more tender you can become, the more loving you, the, you, you will see people differently, the more broken you are. Because true brokenness takes pride out of your life. Have you, have you ever, <clears throat> well, I, I can say this. I was part of a group that I left, and there, there were specific reasons, and there was a brokenness in it. And in the beginning, my brokenness was within myself because I had this pride and arrogance about the fact that, you know, I'm no longer part of that. <clears throat> but that was a brokenness that I was focusing on myself. When God brought me to a place of, listen, listen, there's a reason that I didn't want you to be part of that anymore. It's because of others, not you. Then my brokenness changed, and it became right. So <clears throat> the right place in brokenness, you, you, there's no pride and arrogance. When you're broken in the wrong place, you are the victim, and everybody owes you. You are the victim. That's how I felt. That's how, when I was broken, I was the victim, and they all owe me, and this and that. And you listen, that's, that's the wrong way to be broken, being the victim, and everybody owes you. Now, we just read a couple of verses. The background in these verses is this. The Jewish uh, people had, had just come out of exile from Babylon. And so they're, they're coming back to homeland, and they were joyous when they got there, but now all of a sudden their joy is subsiding. It's waning. Uh, they had experienced some bad seasons, but God promised them, he said, I will send the rain for the harvest if you will be, uh, just be faithful. That's why when you read it, he who, who God's uh, out crying, carrying uh, seeds to sow. He said, if you, if you come out and you're, you're carrying the seeds to sow and, and there's a weeping in your life, when you return from the sowing, I'll send the rain. And the rain will produce a harvest, and you'll come back carrying sheaves. That's what he's saying in the Scriptures. Now, there's a lot to this. There's, there's the natural and there's the spiritual. There's the fact of them coming out of Babylon. But we're going to just we're gonna kind of concentrate on this on being, you know, being broken in the right places, being broken in the wrong places. So back then when they did crops, this, you're probably aware of this, there was a certain portion of the crops that when they harvested them, they kept them in reserve so that they could plant next year. That's what they didn't go down to uh, Home Depot or Lowe's and buy seeds. and plant. They kept a certain part of the harvest just so they could replant for the next year's harvest. And so so uh, 
The scripture says, remember to those who are being faithful to God, to what God has told you. It, God tells us difficult things, right? I mean, in our lives, God tells us when we're going through things, sometimes there's difficult answers. Sometimes, But God asks us to, to not concentrate or focus on difficult, but concentrate and focus on faithful. That's what he was telling him. Listen, if you go, even in your weeping, take, if you go in your plant, if you're faithful to me, I'll send the water. I'll give you the harvest. And a lot of times in our life, we lose faithfulness when we're broken in the wrong place. When we're broken in the right place, we can go in a weeping and plant seeds, but understanding that God's going to provide. But when we're broken in a wrong place, when we're the victim, not only do we not go weeping and plant, planting seeds, but we don't remain faithful to God where God can do what God wants to do. There's a, God wants to save everybody, right? Y'all agree with that? God wants to save everybody, but does everybody, is everybody saved? No. Why? Don't want to be saved? They have a choice? Why do people not want to be saved? Oh, they don't, they don't see the need to be saved? They don't. They don't think they need God. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's why most people that don't think they need God have that specific, I don't need God because I'm going anyway. Why why do I need to do all this? Yeah, I'm a good person. There's a lot of... God intends for us to hang in, not by hanging on, I'm just hanging on, but hanging in means be faithful. Because if we're just faithful to God, if we're just faithful to God, God will bring the the rain. He will bring the harvest to us. Why am I saying that? Because faithfulness is a big part of being broken the right way. Being faithful to God is a big part of, how do I know how to be broken the right way? Anybody? How would I know? How would I figure that out? Where would I go to find that answer? What starts with a B and ends with an E? Okay, okay. There's a faith, there's a reason to be faithful in the Word. When you're faithful in the Word, God can give you those seeds to sow, and He will. He will. You don't have to water them. He'll water them, and He'll bring the harvest in your life if you're faithful. But if you're not faithful, what happens is then you become. You concentrate on you know, the wrong places of being broken. The best way to think about being broken wrongly is selfishness. Selfishness. You know you are not in the right place of being broken before God if you are thinking in any term of selfishness. Any term of selfishness. Because everything broken in God has to do with someone else, something else. It brings us to a place. There's a reason that there's a reason that Jesus broke up the, the Peter and his uh, uh, fishing industry. Now, that, was a, that was a brokenness. I mean, here's a guy that has a pretty good deal going. He feeds the community. He, he, I mean, he's, like, he's one of the guys that, you know, everybody says, man, we need to get down today because we know Peter and his guys have been out fishing, and, you know, they're supplying us with fish. And so he had a pretty good gig going. So, what did Jesus say? Hey, come with me and I'll make you fishers of more fish. 
No, no. There was a brokenness that had to happen, and it, Peter had to break, be broken in his own desire and go to the desire of what Jesus was talking about. So, simple illustration, but let's just talk about a couple of things that being broken in the wrong way. What causes us to be broken in the wrong way? Number one is the society we live in. This fast-paced society we live in causes us to be broken in the wrong places. We are stressed out, and we don't have any time. The two biggest problems in America, we're stressed out, we don't have any time, and usually those are connected together. We're stressed out because we don't have enough time. We don't have enough time to do this. You know, it's amazing to me, with all of the contraptions that we've invented and all of the, you know, we've really gained a lot of knowledge how we've lost so much time. Shouldn't it be that we should have a lot of time now? Because used to, you, you know, you had to walk behind a mule or a, you know, with a plow, and now you've got a tractor. Wouldn't you think you would have more time because you get your plow to, But we don't. You know? And it's that way in all parts. And so what happens is this. We, we miss opportunities that God has placed before us. I wonder how many opportunities I missed last week because I was too busy with my usual routine. You see, that's the deal. We have routine, don't we? We have routine. And we get used to that routine. We don't really like that routine being broken because that routine, we know when, what, where, where, and we try to plan around that routine. But understand this, that, that God plants in our lives everyday opportunities, and we, we fail to be broken sometimes because we simply miss the opportunity because we're too busy in our routine. Maybe the Lord wanted to speak to someone through me this past week. I was just thinking about this today. Maybe he wanted to, to perform a miracle in their life, but I missed it because I was in my routine. Listen, you have to allow interruption in your life. You have to allow interruption in your life. If you look in Scripture, many, many miracles happened in the Bible as a result of interruption. Jesus would be teaching or talking, or doing those things, and then someone would interrupt. Someone would, right in the middle of his teaching, they'd, Master, Master, thou son of David, all this, and they'd just interrupt the whole deal, you know, and Jesus would perform a miracle. But we're so routine-oriented and that we can become broken the wrong way in our, in our, because we're routine-oriented. Listen, Jesus was open to divine intervention. He was open to, he, he didn't push away when there was interruption. But I'm afraid that, you know, I'll have to look at my life, and I'm afraid I become so involved in my routine that I miss out on these awesome things of God. And so we have to be really aware that when in our brokenness, and why did I bring this up? Because our routine generally is built around who? Us. Exactly. That kind of makes sense, right? You would build your routine around... So let's just go, if we could find the answer to what a routine should look like, where would we go? Where can we find the answer? Starts with a B and ends with an E. So what was Jesus' daily routine? All of, exactly, everything you're saying. So if Jesus had that routine, but, but he was the Lord and he had, he had things to do, but... 
but Jesus said, listen, I'm going, so I'm putting this in your hands as the church. I've done all I'm going to do. Now it's your turn. So he gave us a routine. Oh, but I have to work. Yeah, so yeah, me too. And I have family. Me too. And I have grass to keep. Me too. No. Go ahead, Bishop. Jesus' routine, everything that y'all said was what the things, that, but Jesus' routine was exactly what Bishop just said. His whole, the three and a half years of his ministry was built around the one thing, and that was to pour himself into the disciples because he knew he would be leaving. And he knew it was going to take someone else. And so everything Jesus did was about someone else. And our routine is not built that way. Our, you know, I have to work. So do you, right? But could we build that work routine into something that we could affect somebody? We can. We can affect other people's lives in our work routine. The problem is what Bishop said is that we don't, and that's going to be number three on my deal, <laughs> priorities. <laughs> we spread ourselves out so much that there's a reason we're stressed out for not having any time. It's not the world's fault. It's not the government's fault. It's, who's, it's my fault because no one's forced me into doing this. I do this myself. And so I find myself sometimes so broken over myself and my needs that I forget about others. I have this need. I have that need. Listen, if you're in need of some food, the best thing to do is go find somebody and feed them. It's biblical. Go find somebody and feed them. If you're need, if you're in need of a healing, go pray for somebody that needs a healing. Don't don't think about yourself. It's it's so. But we're so ingrained in our routine. So let, let me move on. One of the hardest parts of pastoring is helping someone only to have them stab you in the back. One of the hardest parts about being a Christian is to love and care and help someone and they stab you in the back. You ever had that happen to you? They turn on you? Why am I saying this? Because if you're going to invest yourself in God's kingdom, you, you need to make sure and understand that you're going to get stabbed in the back. Yeah. We can say what we want. Yeah. yeah. Jesus got stabbed in the back. The sword got him from the front, but he got stabbed in the back. Oh, we're with you, Lord. Yeah, we got your back. Little did he know, they had his back. We have to, listen, we have to be careful, though. 
and here's another part of this, being broken in the right place. Understand that as a Christian, as a pastor, as a mom, as a dad, as a friend, it's going to happen to you. There are going to be those that turn. There are going to be those that stab you in the back. But don't become cynical. Don't, don't, don't lose your love for people. You know, we, we brand people so easily in this, in the, you know, <clears throat> if you're an evangelical, everybody that's outside of the evangelical realm brands you with the most audacious evangelical preacher on TV. You may not preach or believe anything that that person says, but because you're evangelical, everybody outside that realm is just going to brand you with that. But you can't become... Well, you know, I'm just gonna, we're going to stay in our little group and you know have our little club, and you just can't do it. Or you have now brought yourself to being broken in the wrong way. You, you, and to self, C.F. C.F. Lewis said this, and this I read this today, and I had to read it again. It was very. Uh, he said, "To love at all is to be vulnerable. Love anything, and your heart will certainly be rewrung and possibly broken." If you want to make sure of keeping intact your heart, you must give your heart to no one, not even an animal. Wrap it up carefully around your hobbies and luxuries and all the entanglements. Lock it in a safe place, in a casket or a coffin, of your selfishness. In that casket, safe, dark, motionless, airless, it will change. Your heart won't be broken. It will become unbreakable irrepentable, irredeemable. The only place outside of heaven, he said, where you can be safe from the dangers of love is hell. Man, I had to read that several times. You and I both have known people in our lives that have given their heart and love to a person only to have that person 15, 20, 30 years later just leave it. They gave everything. And that person that was left, that gave all of their heart and their love, and they fail then to mix with anybody else. They don't want any, they're, they're afraid of any other relationship. They don't want to be hurt again because of the, what happens. They're, that's because they're broken in the wrong way. They're broken in the wrong way. When I allow God to break me, you see, God wants to break us every day. That, you know, when we think of that, we think, oh, my no, what, my, what do I mean by God wants to break us? He wants to bring us a place to the place of Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ walked this earth a broken man, broken for the souls of every person he came in contact with. Man, what if the church ever really got a hold of that? Broken for the souls of every person we ever came in contact with. I'm broken. That doesn't mean you're going to talk to every person. That doesn't mean, but you know what? Have you ever seen somebody and, uh, and you knew they needed help in, in whatever store you shop, but you didn't have the opportunity for whatever reason you didn't talk to them? But you could still, that night, when you pray before you go to bed or whatever, however you say, you know what, Lord, you know that person today? You can still affect their life. You can still have a brokenness in you that reflects Jesus Christ, that love for someone else. You don't know what their deal was. You don't know what their problem was, but... but what if we got a hold of that? Because when we allow God to break us, that's when we fully trust Him. When you, when you allow... One of the hardest things as a freshman in high school was to trust a coach that we had. He was a former military sergeant 
He was a drill sergeant, and he had his own ways. As a freshman in high school, I didn't trust him. I watched him. I thought, man, he's just he's trying to make military out of us. By the time I was a senior in high school, the best coach I'd ever, ever, you know what happened? I learned to trust him. I just said, okay, I want to play this game. I'm going to tr- So what if we did that with God? Okay, God, I don't really know you like I really need to know you, but I'm going to trust you. Uh, you know, I'm going to watch you, God. And the people, y'all, uh, what, you're going to watch God? Yeah, you, yeah, you do. We do that. Watch how God, you ever watched how God took care of another situation? No, I, I have <laughs> many times. How does God going to take care of this? Why am I watching that? Because I want to learn about God and what he does. That doesn't mean that another situation is going to be taken care of that same way. But you learn more and more about God. That's trusting him. When you fully trust God, when you, when you want him to break you, you really become like a child. You ever seen a kid that, pitch, kid that pitches a fit in the store? They're just screaming, counting. You know why they're doing that, right? They're spoiled. No, that's not it. Say again. They want attention. Psychologists say this, and they say it's, it's proven. The reason a child pitches a fit is because they have a control in something that they, have no, they know they can't. And they're scared to death. That's why they're pitching a fit. They've been given control over something they know they can't control. It's as simple as a little, when a little child throws a fit. Have you ever seen an adult throw a fit? <laughs> we do that when we try to control our lives and not let God do it. Because we know we can't. That, that's why people get mad and leave the church. That's why people say, well, God, save them. They've been saved out of my family. Heal, heal them and heal, heal me. I'm broken the wrong way. So understand that we, to trust God is to trust him like a chi- child, not a spoiled child, but a child that learns that mom and daddy's going to take care, full of faith, caring for others. When I resist being broken, and I, and I do that, Sometimes I resist God breaking me in places. I miss some wonderful things. It's, it's inevitable that God shows us that. I missed a place where God could break me, where I could minister to someone, and I don't do it, and down the road. The worst thing for a preacher <laughs> is to know to minister to somebody and you don't do it. And just down the road, you see somebody, another minister, minister, and see that person. You know what that does to you? It throws all kinds of guilt and why didn't I, you know, it's the worst thing you can do. It's the worst thing as a Christian when you see that happen. And it's not because, ha, huh, you're mad at the person, but you're, you're upset with yourself. So, so understand this. When I'm broken, there are wonderful things. When I resist it, I'm missing so much. When I, when I isolate myself, I'm just, when you isolate yourself, here's what you're telling God. When you isolate yourself, no more, God. No more. When you isolate yourself, do not, do not, Ever isolate yourself from God or, or God's people. Because you're just telling God no more. I, I don't want any more of your great opportunities. I don't want any more great stuff from you. I don't want it. Because now you're broken in the wrong place when you isolate yourself. That happens a lot in church. Y'all, that happens a lot. When you see, have you, we, have, we have some people in this church that isolate themselves quite a bit. They do it for a reason. 
And what we should do is not let them, not allow that to happen in their life, be a part of their life, love them, break them out of that. Because what they're telling God is, no more, I don't, I don't want any more. That's what they're saying to God. Uh, let me finish. Another reason I am not being broken in the right places is misplaced priorities. Misplaced priorities. John Wesley said that uh, this to a group of preachers. Now, he's got a group of preachers, and he's talking to them. He's giving them some good instruction. He said, you may be eloquent. You may have wisdom. You may be the best financier. You may, be, you, you may have a great demand on your ministry, but if you don't win any souls, you're a failure because it's not about you. It's not about your eloquence. It's not about any of that stuff. It's about reaching someone else. If you gave a child a quarter for Sunday offering and later gave him $10 to go to the movies, you're teaching him a set of values that's going to stick with him the rest of his life. The church is not as important. God's work is not as important. The kingdom is not as important as the movies. And they, don't, they, they grow out of that because they grow out of being a kid. But you know what? As an adult, they grow into that same mentality that giving less to God is okay than giving to other things. Giving less to people. is. This classified ad showed up in the Quay County Sun. I looked this up. I used to think this was a joke, but it really exists. It was a real classified. Farmer with 160, 160 irrigated acres wants a marriage-minded woman with a tractor. When replying, please show picture of tractor. That was an actual. <laughs> you know, we laugh about that. Yeah, we're talking priorities here. But, but kind of, you know, sometimes do we do God that way? You know, God, I want a life of comfort and ease, and I want all these things. And, you know, what? if you come with it, that's fine. But I want this, and I want you to bless me. And if you're in my life, that's fine. But I really, you know, we want all the things we just don't want him. We, we like all the blessing. We just don't want him. Because God in your life is different than just getting God's blessings. Right. Yeah. To, to be with Jesus was number three. But a lot of times we do approach God that way. God, I want all your stuff. But, you know, if you come with it, that's great. But you know, do we all want loving spouses? Happy children? We, we, we want, yeah, no stress isn't work. And if God, if you're in there, that's great. But, but God, I really want my spouse to love me, and I want my kids to be great, and I want my great job, and I don't want to have any stresses. And, God, if you're involved in it, that's great. But if not, that's okay. We don't say that to God, but when we're broken in the wrong places, that's what we say to God. You know, is my priority on what God can do for me or what I can do for God? Have y'all noticed? I'm going to pick. I've got two, three minutes. Y'all notice that I'm not picking on the worshipers, but I am. Praise songs are so much about us. When we all get to heaven, what are they of rejoicing? That'll be when we all see Jesus, you know. 
Yeah, went, yeah. Or, you know, you know what, Lord, this is what you do for me, and this is what you've done for me, and this is what, that's what praise songs are. You know, there's nothing wrong with a praise song, right? It has its place. We should always thank God for those things and tell God about those things. But oftentimes, when God deserves our worship, we give him our praise. Because it's really not about him, it's about what he does for us. That's what a praise song is. It's about what God does for us. A worship song is all about God. It has nothing to do with me whatsoever. God, you're God. Maybe we need to write a song, God, you're God. And that'd be... You said you praise anything man. Yeah, trying to worship anything else doesn't, it, it won't, uh, even, you know, that, you see devil worshipers, that kind of stuff. But true worship in its true form, there's only one worship. There's only one way, and that's to worship God. There is no other way to worship anything other than in, in true worship form. But there's a lot of ways to praise. And sadly, we, you know, Becky's giving me the eye now. She's giving, cause, cause, cause she, cause she's picking the songs. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah. I'm not saying it for that reason. What, I, what I'm saying is understand this. Understand this. If it's what God does for me, you're broken the wrong way. You're broken the wrong way. If it's what I can do for God, God has broken you in the right way. Because what does God want you to do for Him? What can you do for God? What can you do for God? What need does God have that you can fulfill? Not a. That's why he came in human form to express that the need that you're going to fulfill is in my creation, my people, those that I've created. And so the right priorities are pretty big, aren't they? Having the right priorities. Okay. I have one minute, uh, and I'm actually done. Just consider some things. Am am I being broken in the right way in my life? Do, Do I think more about me or about others? Constantly during the week when I'm thinking about things, I have to readjust my thought processes. I'm talking about Pastor Don. There are times when I think about this is this, this is this, and then I have to readjust and say, listen, God, if, if it's your will, you know, because it's like the Scripture said, you know, these guys are saying, well, I'm going to go here and buy and sell and do that. What makes you think that you control that? What makes me think I control driving from Alvord to Weatherford to go to work? I don't control that. God controls that. If I try to control it, I'm in trouble. I've got to let God control that because God has a purpose in that. And it's the same thing in your life. Whatever you do during the day, God's got to control that because it's about what God wants you to do for others. That's being broken in the correct way. So being broken in the wrong way is all about me. It's easy to figure out. Being broken in the right way is all about them. It's all about them. Anybody? One of the things I've noticed in 47 years of ministry is that people come into relationship expecting perfection, never expecting failure in the people that they are meeting or becoming a part of. You know, in the marriage ceremony, it's for better, for worse, for richer, for poorer. 
But we don't ever consider it's going to be worse or it's going to be poor or there's going to be sickness. We never, we don't think about that. We, we focus on the other. The thing that made Jesus unique is that he anticipated failure in every person he met. He anticipated failure. Failure didn't surprise him that Peter denied him, did not shock God what, whatever. He anticipated. He just prayed that his faith didn't fail. And when you go into a relationship, any relationship, without expecting that you're going to find imperfection and weakness and not anticipating it and not preparing yourself of what you're going to do to try to reconcile that person that has disappointed you. You know, it, 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 the prodigal son would have never come home if it had just been the elder brother there. He knew he had a daddy, and that daddy is what brought him back home. And, you know, it, it's, uh, I, I've seen so many people come and go, and they get their feelings hurt, they get disappointed in something, and you realize how shallow their concept of serving God and living for God is. You know, David, when he went to the battle with Goliath, he had to win a war with his brothers before he ever could go on the battlefield and fight Goliath. He had to deal with the jealousy of his brothers. And we, we forget that sometimes, that there's interactions within the body of Christ that, that are disappointing. But, you know, you have to win those by not focusing on what they did wrong or how they violated you, but, you know, what, you can, what can I do to reconcile them becoming part of the solution, not adding to the problem? You know, it, it's, it's been amazing to me. Right. I mean, that, that, the whole purpose, what if we walked around like that? Yeah. The whole purpose for me being here is to reconcile that. Reconcile that. You know, the thing, one of the reasons that I left the UPC was their lack of equity. You know, Micah said that God said to, to Israel, you pervert equity. And, and what that meant was that if somebody failed, you know, they could have made investments in that life over the years for decades. They make one mistake, they wipe it out. You're not my friend, you're not my friend anymore. You know, if, if I wrote a check and I had $1,000 in the bank and I wrote a $100 check and the bank wiped my account out, I'd, I'd find me another bank. You know, I wouldn't bank there. You know, equity is what you have after the liability. God dealt with David on the basis of equity. David sinned grievously. He sinned as grievously as Saul did. But David had built up equity with God, and God brought the equity against him. He paid fourfold for his sin. But God didn't wipe out David, wipe out his account because he failed. You know, that, 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 that to me is being broken in the right place is when you recognize that, you know, 
maybe God brought this person with this flaw and failure into your life for you to help fix them and reconcile them. Yes, ma'am. Well, I know, you know, this October will be 50 years that I, I received the Holy Ghost 50 years ago this October. And one of, the, one of the things in my ministry, there's only one person that God ever spoke to me and told me not to pray for him anymore. Don't even mention his name to me anymore. I've cut him off. And, you know, I would, I would think that until you have that directive from God, that, you know, keeping on, keeping on. Right. Right. <laughs> yeah. How do you know when, when it's time to do that? Well, I, I think the best way to know, you know, there are toxic people. Yeah. You know, uh, I had a stepfather who was toxic. I mean, every family meeting, every Christmas, every Thanksgiving, he would create a scene. And... And, and so, you know, he, he just toxic. And there's people like that. And, and you know, I, I, you don't stop praying for him, but you can remove yourself so that you don't interact with them anymore so they can't impact and affect you. Right. Right. That's the dusting your feet off. That's not riding them off or, you know. Right. Walks out of Jericho, and nothing happened. Nothing. Now Jesus is the anointed. Right. And you walk into a city and come out, and nothing happens. That's when the next story is blind Bartimaeus. Right. What, what's going on here? Well, it wasn't that Jesus wasn't anointed. It wasn't that God wasn't dealing with that. It was. It was their hunger. The lack of yeah. Hunger. He could do no mighty works there because of their faith. They, just, they didn't have faith. Yeah. Right. Yeah. yeah. Didn't want it. Yeah. You know, people in your life, if you if you'll watch. You'll, you'll see that. You'll pick up on that. And so you just walk into Jericho and you walk out. Jesus didn't berate them. Right. He didn't say, y'all are going to hell. He didn't. Yeah, but he said, listen, you just don't have any faith. After you. He keeps texting you and they keep coming over. And keep, so, I mean, I can't just run away. Yeah. 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 
Remind me who wrote the book, Boundaries. Uh, uh, Townsend. Yeah, Townsend. Townsend. Yeah. yeah. Great book. Awesome book. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. I mean, Jesus only crossed the boundaries of Israel one time. He went to Gadara, and there was a man, you know. Now we give him a guitar and give him a music contract. You know, he was insane. Tore his body, tore the chains. Jesus leaves him clothed in his right mind. And they tell him, depart from us. You know, don't kill my pigs. Whatever you don't, don't slaughter my hogs. Just get out of town. Yeah. You know, if a person's challenging your faith, and that can just be in the way they act, again, it goes back to boundaries. There's nothing improper. And, and that's what, again, that's what dusting your feet off is. You're, you're just setting a boundary. Listen, okay, if you don't want to hear it, okay, but I, I, I can't stick. I mean, I, right. I got to go. That's not ugly. That's not, we can do it ugly, but it's good. I mean, when you preach to people, you know, the Word of God is quick and powerful, sharper and two-edged sword, dividing asunder, joint and marrow. It's the discerner of the thoughts and the intents of the heart. That means it, discern means to separate. And when you preach to people, you know who is connecting with you and who's not. You know, and there, there are people that have attended a church I pastored for decades that I knew I wasn't their pastor, and I knew I wasn't influenced them in the ministry. You know, I knew it. As long as they're not creating a problem, you let them be. Maybe someday they'll turn around. But, you know, if there's one sheep that's got cholera, you can't let him in the flock. For more information about Tabernacle of Praise, look us up online at tabernaclepraise.org. We want to hear from you, so be sure to connect with our Facebook page. We also have a free app that you can use to keep up with events or be notified of bad weather. And you can listen to our sermons directly from the app. Thank you for listening, and have a blessed day.